bachelorette parties, weekenders with your bros, that's the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of us when we think of Vegas, a vice vacation. And that's in no small part due to some clever marketing. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. A clean, vague, PG-rated invitation to do whatever the hell you want when you get here. That ad campaign rolled out in 2003. It would become synonymous with a movie that debuted six years later, The Hangover. Remember, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Ah! (laughs) Except for herpes. That shit'll come back with you. The film follows four friends who go to Vegas to celebrate their friend Doug's last night of quote-unquote freedom before he marries his fiancée in a few days. The movie starts with a flashback. One of the guys is calling Doug's fiancée and trying to buy time. Because they've lost Doug. The subsequent hour and a half is insanity. Like when they wake up in a completely trashed hotel room. Not just any hotel room, a villa at Caesars. There's a rooster walking around, a chair is burned and smoking, an ottoman hangs from the ceiling. Phil, do not go in the bathroom! Al, just calm down. What's going on? There's a jungle cat in the bathroom! So you don't have any tigers in bathrooms? Uh, nah, you know, to be honest with you, that kind of stuff is, there's legal ramifications with stuff like that. You know, there are some people out here, I think, that dabble in that stuff. There are places that try to do stuff like that? Yeah, there's, there's always stuff out here. That's my producer, Joanna Clay, talking to Brian Pfeiffer. I'm a owner of a, several large Vegas-based businesses, uh, VIP hosting. We do bachelor, bachelorette parties, bottle service, uh, pretty much um, all-inclusive concierge service here in Las Vegas. We found Brian through his website, bachelorvegas.com. If you have a bachelor or bachelorette party to plan, Brian, he's your man. Especially if you want to take it up a notch, hangover style. So, you know, we came up with like creative names like the hangover, the budget hangover, um, the, you know, the bachelorette hangover, you name it. So there might not be tigers in the bathroom. Well, not with Brian, but he can guarantee that you will have a weekend you will never forget. Or maybe thanks to some libations, you will completely forget. But your bank statement will remind you. Like you ever gone to like a ball game to order a hot dog and that hot dog costs like $12 and it costs like $1.50 at the store? Well, that's what you pay out here. You pay the $12. Just that day, a few hours into working, he'd booked 18 groups. I mean, he's killing it. So obviously we need to hear more about this hangover experience. If you can't get tigers, then what do you got? Well, I, I, I literally, right before my, the call here, I got a group uh, of nine guys coming in this Friday, and he wants um, machine guns uh, at 1 o'clock on Friday. And then later in the day, he wants to go to dinner at STK. And then after that, he wants to go to a cigar bar, and then they're going to do a couple bottles at a strip club. The following day, they're going to do exotic car racing and um, some high-speed go-karts. Machine guns, cigar bars, strip clubs, car racing. I mean, is this a Bruce Willis movie? I feel the testosterone oozing out of that package. In the movie, okay, it's over the top, but he's seen a Doug situation or two. I've seen situations where guys go into the strip club at like two in the morning and next thing you know, the whole group, except for maybe one guy is at the pool party at like noon. And I'm like, where's the other dude? We're missing one. And they're like, yeah, I never came home. And apparently it's not just actors in movies who trash hotel rooms. 
He's had some clients who thought they could act like a rock star for the night. When you take a vase and smash it on the ground, you're going to pay for that, you know? And, and I, I think the guy got like a $4,000 bill or something, yeah. The Hangover is a movie very much anchored in the toxic bro humor of the early aughts. A lot of homophobic slurs, a lot of accusing men of being effeminate. Even though the bachelor party is theoretically celebrating Doug getting married, it kind of makes marriage look like a nightmare. Something men get roped into unwittingly by manipulative women. Phil, Bradley Cooper's character, complains about it constantly. Oh, whatever. Look, I left my wife and kid at home so I can go with you guys to Vegas. You know how difficult that was? It's really sweet, Phil. Yeah. Dude, I was being sarcastic. I fucking hate my life. I may never go back. I might just stay in Vegas. And just listen to Stu, played by Ed Helms, as he talks to his live-in girlfriend, Melissa, about going to a strip club. Melissa is giving him a hard time, kind of treating him like her child, insinuating punishment if he goes. And the worst part is, that little girl grinding and dry-humping the fucking stage up there? That's somebody's That's daughter, somebody's up, daughter there. up there. I was just going to say that. Melissa and Stu are in their living room, sitting next to each other on the couch. Even if you look at, like, the way they're dressed, they look like they're both in kind of prison stripes, horizontal striped outfits. That's Patricia Ventura. She's an English professor at Spelman College in Atlanta. The two of them, like, they're in prison, and there's the scene between them is in front of a window that also has bars on it. I was just struck by the way that being around the women in your life, that's the prison. And then they get... In the, and then they go to Vegas and, you know, and that's when they become free, when they're out of that prison that is their normal life. Once they hit the road to Vegas, they can act out. Driving in a vintage Mercedes convertible, Zach Galifianakis' character, Alan, yells, Vegas, baby, to a young girl in a car. She flips him off. It's just like already starting. Just the girls are mean. And even though Alan is the brother of the bride, his sister is hardly ever mentioned. She's practically invisible. And really, that's kind of the theme of the movie. Vegas is freedom from wives or partners, from expectations. It's a place to indulge your every whim. But in this episode, we'll dive into how the film and Vegas itself are really a mirage. It's set up to cater to a hyper-masculine culture. In Vegas, women are only there to fulfill men's needs. It's seen as a place where there's no rules, no consequences, when in reality, for the people who live and work there, the consequences can be steep. I'm Brent Holmes. This is Spectacle Las Vegas. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is Chilling Tales. For Dark Nights, good evening, listener. I'm Steve Taylor, your host to a horror anthology podcast. 
where we ask you to depart from your safe perception of reality to descend with us into the frightening depths and dark corners of twisted imaginations. With carefully curated original tales of terror each week, our deepest rooted fears are brought to the forefront by a diverse cast of voice talent and masterfully eerie sound design that bring these stories to life. We'll give you tales of unnerving encounters with the occult, harrowing hauntings, and sinister seances that show just how darkness knows no bounds. Make sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a few bachelor party to-dos that just seem standard procedure in Vegas. Hit the clubs, eat a fancy steak dinner, and of course, go to a pool party. I never chose what I wore. I had uniforms all the time that ranged from very tiny bikinis to corset style dresses, mini skirts, nylons, heels. That's Brittany Bronson. She's a Vegas-based journalist with bylines in the New York Times and The Guardian. And up until two years ago, she brought vacationers margaritas poolside. We wanted to know, I mean, are there actual rules in Vegas? Anyone who's worked in a casino will let you know that there are so many rules and a part of your job is sort of subversively enforcing them in a way that does not disrupt the guest's experience. For example, at one posh property she worked at, for guests to get from the pool to their rooms, they had to cross the casino floor. And casino executives didn't want a shirtless dude with his shorts on backwards messing up the vibe. So how do you solve that problem? No, they didn't go to the guests. They don't put up signs. They literally train the staff. Okay, can you make sure people are leaving the pool with their clothes on? So Brittany became like the pool mom. So I just remember that summer having to, you know, stop guests and be like, sir, you don't have your shoes on. You need to put your shirt running after this woman with like her sundress, right? Like you need to put this on before, before you go back in the property. So there is almost this like motherly role that you take on by also just caring for the most basic necessities of this person who's here to let loose and have a good time. I mean, I guess a no shirts, no shoes, no service sign would kill the vibe. Instead, waitresses like Brittany had to convince poolgoers a zillion times a day to put on their clothes. It's exhausting work, but more subtle than a sign on the side of the casino. Plus, Brittany gets to know her guests. At the pool, they might linger for several hours. They might rent a cabana with a $2,000 minimum and drink all day. Some of these minimums are so crazy, and like the people, there's no way they can possibly even drink that much alcohol in a day, right? But they're gonna get charged for it no matter what. So you kind of are always, when I was in that role, sort of balancing this, like how do I make them hit this number without literally sending them out on a stretcher, you know? It was a juggling act for Brittany and the other cocktail waitresses. They had to always make sure the guest was having a good time, even if the situation is kind of uncomfortable. It made her think about a scene in The Hangover. It's when the guys arrive at Caesars and the front desk clerk greets them in the lobby. The clerk is young and gorgeous. Hi, welcome to Caesars. Hi. Hello. Checking in? Yes. Yeah. 
We have a reservation under Dr. Price. Which is really the only worker guest interaction we get. She's like dressed in a masculine outfit. She's beautiful, but she's not in this traditionally sexualized position. And he immediately starts shaming his friend for like being a dentist rather than a doctor. Dr. Price? <clears throat> Stu, you're a dentist. Hey, don't try and get fancy. It's not fancy if it's true. He's a dentist. Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited? Phil is assuming the front desk clerk is romantically interested in them. As if they're just that desirable. As if they aren't the 50th group of dudes she's checked in today already. Police! The woman just smiles. She's in hospitality. She has to make the guys feel comfortable. So far, in terms of the women in the film, there's Melissa, the finger-wagging girlfriend, there's this front desk clerk, and then there's another female archetype in the movie that's worth looking at. Heather Graham's character, Jade. We're really introduced to Jade through her baby, who the guys find in their closet the morning they wake up in their trashed hotel room with no recollection of what happened the night before. They take the baby out of the closet, and after a wild goose chase that lands them in a hospital to figure out why Phil has a medical bracelet on, they get led to a chapel. It's there they learn that that baby, well, it's technically Stu's stepson now. They get Jade's address, not because they are at all worried about this baby, but because they think she might know where Doug is. Thank God he's with his father. I was freaking out. I miss you, sweetie. She's totally not bothered that her baby was missing. Women like Jade, I don't know if they exist. I don't know a parent who's okay with leaving their baby in a hotel closet when a tiger is in the next room. Jade isn't an anxious mess sobbing, you know, like I would be if I lost my baby. She's just like, oh, yeah, there you are. Like Jade is so relaxed, so devoid of opinions or needs. Or like the idea that a sex worker, whether it's a stripper, a escort, whatever, can like get married on her break, right? Like her job is just so ridiculous that she can just leave and get married and hang out with some random person. She's sexualized. Even when she's breastfeeding her baby, the men gawk at her. She's objectified. Her desires are their desires. Her wants, their wants. When Stu asks for her to give the wedding ring back, she's not even upset. She's like, okay, I get it. I mean, when you think about it, both the film and Las Vegas itself are really for the male gaze. I think you just do feel a little bit of that pressure to perform femininity on a daily basis. Cocktail servers are overwhelmingly female in Vegas. Skimpy outfits are the norm. Glamorous makeup required. But waitresses are supposed to act a certain way. Sweetness kindness, openness, right? Um, sort of this, I'm here to serve you in whatever way you particularly need right now, whether that's you just want silent service, whether you want to chit chat, whether you want to talk about your emotions and open up to me. I mean, I've had a range of conversations with guests over the years. It's reading them and then responding in the way that you think is best. Even though that front desk clerk in the movie only had to talk to the guys for a few minutes, that's not the case for everyone who works in the casinos. For Brittany, sometimes she would be talking to the same guest for hours just because it's the pool. People hang out. 
I had to be the sex object. I had to be the mother and the babysitter. Then I also had to be like the hype girl, right? Like taking drinks or going to ask girls to come over to the cabana for the guys who were in there. It was like all these different parts that I sort of had to play. And you don't have to do that as a server. I just want to emphasize that. I did it because it usually directly translated into higher gratuity. Because she spent a lot of time around them, and she's a woman, men would try to use her almost like a pawn to entice women over to them. And you have that sort of, we are here to get girls, talk to girls, look at girls, right? And whether that's anyone really in the general vicinity who is a woman can qualify, whether that's the server or the girls in the pool or the guests in the cabana right next to them. And sometimes those situations felt tricky for her. She's serving both the men and the women. And she's kind of looking out for the women in particular, not wanting to co-sign a group of guys when she doesn't know their intentions. Plus, there's alcohol involved, and that impairs judgment. I just remember one time I had this group of men, and they, you know, I had to play wing woman, so they sent me across the pool to go see if these women would accept drinks from them. And then the women are asking me, what are they like? Are they weird? Are they cool? Are they attractive? And so then I'm having to like relate to these women. Like, do you want to go like have sort of a flirtatious encounter? By the end of the day, these women were literally like straddling these and young women, you know, maybe like they just turned 21, straddling these 40, 50 year old men in the cabana, men, touching them all over and me not being totally sure if these women are now safe. Sometimes it wasn't the safety of the female guests she had to watch out for. It was her own. More on that next. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters, and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in, hold on. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> and we agree on some things, but not on everything. Hi. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. All guests are different. Each interaction is unique. But for Brittany, her work required a kind of hypervigilance paying attention to verbal and nonverbal cues to decipher if a situation is innocent or potentially dangerous. Brittany recalled this one time when a group of guys asked her to suggest a show for the night. So what shows have nudity? So me, being kind of a, a smartass, I told them, oh, you should go to the puppetry of the penis, which is literally two gay men 
who stand naked <laughs> in front of like the crowd and fold their penises into like different shapes, right? It's a great show. <laughs> um, but obviously I knew that that's not what they were asking, right? But I was trying to sort of be funny. They kept bringing it up throughout the day. Then a few hours later, one of the men leans down and whispers in my ear. He's like, you know, I can do things like that with my penis. A shift happens. Her joke was meant to be playful, but suddenly she was scared and vulnerable. And that situation later evolved to be the man basically later flashed himself in me in front of all his friends and it was like a joke to them, right, in this cabana. This is a real thing that happened to me. And I was so caught up in the moment of the day. Like, did I get myself into this situation because I mentioned the puppetry of the penis? Obviously not, right? It's just an example of how quickly things can turn when you're in an environment that encourages these performances of hypermasculinity and femininity. So um, that speaks to sort of a larger problem in the service industry when it comes to you know, sexual harassment and why it's so pervasive. You always hear that phrase, the customer is always right. With Brittany, she internalized what happened. For a moment, she thought she was at fault, wondered if she could have done something differently. But when that happened to me, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know if I went to the casino, if my manager, if I was going to be the one to get in trouble, if I was going to be embarrassed. Like, there was not a clear understanding in my mind that I could <laughs> talk about that safely. And that's a lack of training. But let's be clear. Indecent exposure is a crime in Nevada. First offense can get someone up to 364 days in jail or a fine up to $2,000 or both. Brittany didn't report the incident to the cops or her manager. And my immediate reaction was I was afraid I was going to get in trouble because it was my guests who had behaved in this way, right? So I didn't tell anyone, I didn't report it. Problem is, if your job is to entertain guests, to be a cordial hype girl, it's hard to know how seriously she would be taken. In 2018, major allegations around sexual misconduct came out about casino mogul Steve Wynn. Ever since then, I have seen casinos try to implement more sexual harassment training, but it's always, I have never seen it talk about the relationship between you and the guest. It's always you and your manager, you and your coworker. Here's what to do within the system that we control. But when it's like, what do I do when a guest, I remember, right? A guest who was at a slot machine when I was on the floor, you know, told me to think about him when I was in the shower. Okay, what do I do? What do I say to that, right? I don't have the training. I don't know what to do in that situation. And maybe part of that is because it's all about the guests, about their experience being pleasurable. Even at the cost of the people who work in Vegas. I put the onus on the casino to solve this problem, on the industry to solve this problem, right? Because the industry trains us to do everything. There's a reason I say guest and I don't say customer. It's because my employer taught me to use that word. The emotional toll of doing her job weighed on Brittany. But ultimately, it was the physical toll that pushed her to quit in 2020. I mean, I would have weekends where I would come home and I couldn't even walk because my foot was in so much pain. I still have major, major wrist problems in my left wrist and my left shoulder and my left hip. Think about it. She's carrying heavy trays all day on one side of her body. Imagine carrying, you know, three six-packs of beer on your forearm and 
doing that over and over and over again, and you're doing it in heels. Your income is directly related to how fast you move, how many more drinks you can serve. If every round is $15, you push yourself, even if your body is saying no. She had options. She had a writing career and a college degree, but not everyone does. You talk to women who've been in the casino industry for a long time, they've had hip surgeries, hip replacements, you know, lumbar repairs, and they wear wrist brace under their tray. So when you think about a blockbuster movie like The Hangover, the workers are out of the frame. Someone has to retrieve the mattress that the party boys threw off the roof of the hotel. Someone has to clean up the villa after it was trashed by a tiger. You know, and I thought about that. That poor person is going to have to clean that room. <laughs> Who's going to? That never even occurs to them. Patricia Ventura again. Who cleans? Who's you know bringing in the food? Who's taking care of the babies? That's all secondary. But what's relevant is the boys' fun. You didn't learn much about the human machine that keeps these casinos running. The tens of thousands of maids, bartenders, card dealers. Those are coveted jobs. Those jobs have some of the strongest unions in the country, which translates to smaller wage gaps, good benefits, and better shifts. It made news when Britney's union, Culinary Workers Union 226, didn't endorse Joe Biden. The union's endorsement became powerful in 08. Many believe it led to Nevada turning blue for Obama. If you're not from Vegas, if you're a visitor, that's not likely hitting your news feed. You're likely paying closer attention to the next Mike Tyson fight or Usher's residency. Because that's not the what happens here stays here Vegas. At the end of the movie, they come back to that Vegas slogan. You're not supposed to talk about what happens in Vegas. And you're certainly not supposed to have material evidence. Whoa, that's my camera. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. We look at these pictures together, okay? One time and then we delete the evidence. And that brings us back to the casinos, right? That unpaid bill, that trashed room, or that pool party. Once the guys leave town, they leave those worries and concerns. It's behind them. But the front desk clerk, the cocktail servers, the maids, they stay. They can't delete the evidence. They have to keep living it. For them, it starts all over again on Friday. But what do casinos do to make sure you <clears throat> stay in Vegas? In all of these casinos, you see these sort of tried and true methods for uh, bringing people in, often on conveyor belts, and bringing people in in a kind of confusing, twisting, turning, suspenseful manner. How Vegas casinos are designed to keep you spending money. That's next time on Spectacle. Spectacle Las Vegas is a production of Neon Hum Media. The show is hosted by yours truly. It was produced by Navani Otero and Liz Sanchez. Our executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Spectacle's senior producer is Joanna Clay. Our associate editor is Stephanie Serrano. Samantha Allison is our production manager. Our engineer is Scott Somerville. Original music by Hans Dale Sue. And special thanks to Tanner Robbins, Vikram Patel, Shara Morris, Odelia Rubin, Chloe Chobel, and Catherine St. Louis. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon Hum Media. I'm Brent Holmes. Y'all come back now, you hear? 
Spectacle Las Vegas is brought to you by dentists everywhere.